Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 46th episode of the Daily Diatribe. Uh, 46 episodes, quite a few in my opinion. Uh, but today we have obviously a full platter as usual. We have today, the first thing we're going to discuss is the popular social media among my age group that I have never downloaded. It's called TikTok, uh, and I, I've done a little bit of research about it, and uh, we have credible reasons to believe it is a Chinese fifth column into America. Uh, second topic for the night is Kim Yo-jong, who is this uh, sister of the North Korean dictator. We touched on that a little bit last night. And what is the state of the North Korean dictator? South Korean sources say he's fine, but stay tuned. And of course, as always, uh, while it continues until May 2nd, we have the Battle of Berlin. Although on May 1st, we will pay attention to International Labor Day, which is international and different from America's Labor Day. So as usual, I have my co-host here tonight operating from, I don't know, a place where there are trees, a lot of trees. Trust me. Uh, Red, how are th- how is life up in the Upper Peninsula? Um, quite good actually. Um, it's quite nice today. It's like sixty degrees. Oh wow, heat wave. Yeah, and also uh, with this podcast, we are now on Spotify. We are on Spotify. Thank you for actually bringing that up. She did that unprompted because I forgot. Uh, That's yes, what I we do. Actually, we do now have a Spotify, and I will put that link as soon as I remember where it is uh, into the thing. Now, we are still working on uploading all the episodes to it, so 
I think we have everything up until the fifth episode right now. Yes, on top that is of correct. It. I recently checked. So if you, you know, if you want to view some old episodes, obviously you can do that. You know, share this. Eventually, all the newer episodes will be uploaded to there. So I will just take, I would subscribe to it if I were you. Uh, in fact, I already, I, have, I already have subscribed to it. Uh, and I'm going to put that I in the... I couldn't agree more. And I will put that in the chat right now as soon as I find out which tab I have the live stream in. I'm assuming I have it in one tab. It would be kind of weird if I didn't have it open, wouldn't it? Uh, no, here it is. I found it. And it is pasted. There we go. We now have the Spotify link in there. Whether the link works or not. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it worked. Oh, yeah, it got underlined. That means it's working. Uh, so that's good. Uh, so now that we are... Oh, yeah, and remember to like and subscribe and turn on the little bell icon and like the video. But most importantly, turn on the I little bell notifications. icon. Yeah, because, yeah, I don't understand how it works, but apparently it's like a bell. There, there will be a ringing noise. Not really. Hopefully not. I actually don't know. The bell hath rung. The, the bell daily hath diatribe. rung. Yes, the bell hath rung. The Daily Diatribe is now broadcasted. Uh, additionally, uh, we are very happy now to have, you know, a whopping 23 subscribers. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's like, that's like a room full of people. Yeah, we've gained, like, a uh, uh, good amount of subscribers over, like, the past couple days. Because, you know, two days ago we had around 18. Mm -hmm. So thank you to sub all subscribers, old and new. Absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to think because 23 is a good, comprehensible number. You can see a room with 23 people. So Yes, most you know, classrooms are 23 people. Absolutely. It's great to have a room of 23 people come in and listen to the Daily Diatribe every day. Uh, but now, on to our first topic, now that we've finished with that shameless section of self-promotion. Uh... We have, of course, TikTok, which I never really understood. And so we consulted uh, a relation of yours who is a self-proclaimed uh, TikTok expert. Uh, well, it, she didn't proclaim that. I did. But... And, and it was a well, TikTok addict, I guess. Uh, yes. And during that you know, time, we figured out that and we determined that she uses TikTok up to nine hours a day. Yes. So if we extrapolate that over a course of 10 days... That's 90 hours. 90 hours. Can you believe that? 90 hours over 10 days. And that is, what is that? 90 divided by 24. I think that's 3.75. 3 so almost four days out of every 10 days is spent on TikTok. And I, I feel like this problem was definitely better before quarantine. But um, now, I mean, what else are you going to do, you know? Exactly. And I think that a lot of little evil things like that, and I hate to go off on a, a tangent here, but I guess, you know, I don't hate to go off on a tangent. Uh, you will love it. Yeah, I, I do. I, I should not say that. It's a little dishonest of me. But uh, just going off on a tangent here, I think that idleness, shiftlessness, and sin in general becomes easier when the mind is idle. Uh, idleness, they say, you know, is the root of all sin, which is why... Obviously, the Daily Diatribe exists to occupy all of us and to keep us engaged and mentally sharp. Uh, and, you know, I would say that I was joking there, but I'm really not. I, I really do think that this always is, you know, a thought process for me. I got to think, got to get my ideas out there. And I hope it is for you, too, because I hope this inspires you. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. Each individual viewer. Yes, you. I'm referring to you. Exactly you. And you I'm pointing listen. at the screen right now. Hey. Do something productive. You can listen to the Daily Diatribe, which I actually think is productive. We have so many topics here. We talk about so many things. Share it with your friends. Uh, but, you know, I've been writing a little bit recently. Uh, you know, getting a page done for my theological essay every single day, or at least I try. I really do try. Uh, doing something else, working on a project, picking up a hobby, learning to do barbecue, which is what I did today. 
Uh, now, what productive things have you done in your time? Or have you been swamped oh. with a Zoom school? Uh, we haven't been doing uh, school on Zoom, actually. We've been using uh, Google Classroom. I, I haven't had any um, uh, meetings over Zoom, actually. So, Google. For... Yes, Google. That's somehow both better and worse. Absolutely. Um, a lot of my time has been occupied doing that or procrastinating from doing that. Um, one thing I've, I've been doing that I've actually always wanted to do, uh, are you familiar with the concept of a bullet journal? I'm not. Please enlighten me and the audience. So basically it's like a planner, but pretentious. Um, <laughs> it's where you have, um, an empty, uh, an empty, uh, notebook. I, mine is from Hobby Lobby. Um, it's like this kind of gray suede-ish material. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have that, and it has, like, this uh, thing to keep it closed, and it has a ribbon bookmark. And inside, the pages are um, arc-lined, but they're actually, like, dotted. Really? So um, that's, the, that's the way most bullet journals come. And so you, like, basically essentially make your own planner. Um, and this is the start of mine. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, this is, like, this is for, like, the week, and I basically just have, like, to-do lists. As of now, I'm trying to make it look good, but it's not... I'm not very artistic, and but all the other, I've used this as my planner for a while, but it's not, it's never looked good. <laughs> well, you know, you can always do something productive like that. It's always good to make sure you got something, you know, to get your hands on, something to do, something to keep your mind working. And back to the main topic, which is TikTok, is it plays off of people's want, to, want and I, I'm guilty of this too, every human's guilty of this, to do absolutely nothing. Exactly, yeah. But it releases. These uh, companies figure out. They do this. This is on uh, a 60 Minutes a while ago. Is that basically your brainwaves are so hooked onto your phone that when you get a, a text message or some other notification on your phone, your brainwaves, and if you hear it and you can't touch it, get tense. They get They get anxious. You start getting like a little bit of anxiety because you can't reach it. And that's the amount of control, the level of control they have established over our minds. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous in the most benevolent of hands. Mm-hmm. Now, TikTok obviously has created this sensation or else people wouldn't use it nine hours a day. And this is where the scary part comes in. Who controls TikTok? Well, it is a, um, a corporation based in China, so... I imagine you're going to say the Chinese government. Well, the Chinese government actually has final control over all Chinese companies. Well, I mean, that's to be expected. Uh, so because they are still a communist country, it might, you, you, you know, you'd be remiss to not remember that. But yes, TikTok is owned by the Chinese government. So parents, people, kids are going to hate me. Uh, take away your kids' TikToks. I'm not kidding. They now Banish have your... Inf- this is how you get. This is how you have massive data breaches. Not kidding. This is how you get massive data breaches. This is how you get massive data thefts, data fraud. Because now the your credit card that you have on your child's phone, so they can buy stupid things for ninety nine cents, is now potentially in the hands of the Chinese government because your kids just click agree whenever they get the user license agreements from TikTok. Um, I feel like, um, the the uh the development of TikTok came at the really the most perfect time we're in the height of like the social media craze and after the death of the um also formerly popular app vine i'm sure you've heard of vine mm-hmm. i miss i like i i completely missed vine like i never used it when it was still around 
but I have been guilty of watching several Vine compilations. Um, people like really missed that like format of like short videos and like and that method of short videos is very addicting since like it keeps your attention for longer since there's like it's like, instant, it's content. flashing, it's changing. The videos are yeah. short. As opposed to like long form, say YouTube videos, where it's like the same thing more or less over like say ten minutes or so. Ninety percent of TikTok users say they use the app on a daily basis. Yes, that is completely true. And for people such as my um, uh, the what the uh, person we consulted who um uses TikTok, she says she uses TikTok more than YouTube now. You see, YouTube is obviously n not perfect. No, well, but, we stream on there, so but hey, that's why I'm adding this. But YouTube has the tendency to engage your and it has the opportunity for educational learning you can't yes. learn a lot in the man in the span of 15 to a minute 15 seconds to a minute youtube Not you can really. watch like documentaries on i you know a tiktok documentary i don't think that's gonna happen sorry uh but you know the i'm a little bit I, i'm a little yeah. bit more skeptical of that and by the way uh tiktok seems and i'm gonna mention this again so, okay, so here it is. As of July 2018, and this is before quarantine, before quarantine, BQ, before quarantine, an average of 52 minutes a day on the app. So imagine what that is now. That was in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the um, uh, user base has grown so much, and, you know, free time has grown so much. Oh, absolutely. So, I can only imagine. Like, there's millions of people, like, like, our, like our consultant, who uses it like nine hours a day and see we like before tiktok we were in this void of like we wanted an app like like that and um in like a lot of um things we're trying to mimic it like instagram mm -hmm. came up with igtv i don't like igtv and there was musically but everyone hated musically because musically sucked and then there was TikTok, <laughs> and like everyone thought tiktok sucked but it's it's began to fill this like this almost void of where, yeah. like, where Vine left. And so... You know, for all the issues that Vine had, at least it wasn't owned by the Chinese government. It'd be like <laughs> if some reason everyone was addicted to TikTok and TikTok was owned in the 1930s and TikTok was owned by Hitler. Um, <laughs> or IG Farben or something like that. It's just absolutely ridiculous that uh, U.S. experts, that the, you know, Defense Department, that our intelligence agencies have just been slacking on this, so basically saying, "Yeah, you know what? It's fine. Let let your let your children ha and let the Chinese write into your phones. Let them have access to your credit card information, your healthcare information. Let them have uh, permission to download apps and stuff into the background. All these sorts of little tentacles of a devil fish going everywhere, and that's what we have in our country today. And we have the Chinese government doing this type of thing because they know." And I hate to say this, it weakens the U.S. population. It we absolutely weakens the U.S. population to have people addicted to this sort of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, this is also interesting. Uh, several users have reported uh, endemic cyberbullying in uh, TikTok, including racism. On December 2019, followed a report by German digital rights group Netzpolitik.org. TikTok admitted that it had suppressed videos and disabled users based on sexual orientation. Uh, and they oh, said yeah. that, that and they said that that was to uh, limit cyberbullying. Uh, in addition, some and this is from a lip-syncing figure, Hong Kong kids go crazy for TikTok from the South China Morning Post, says users find it hard to stop using TikTok. Uh, they <clears throat> they actually encourage users to take a break every ninety minutes. 
Uh, yeah, later in 2018, this feature was rolled out into TikTok. Uh, Checkpoint Research discovered a security flaw in TikTok again, which could have allowed hackers to access user account codes using SMS. So there we go. And then Chinese intelligence agencies have access to it because there is a China internet security law, meaning the Chinese Communist Party has direct access to all of the information that TikTok has. Man, I'm actually quite familiar with the scandal um, with the LGBTQ plus community and with TikTok. Because there actually is like quite a large like, you know, LGBTQ plus community on TikTok. And, you know, to alienate such a community seems like a really bad business move, you know? <laughs> yeah, may maybe. And but the, it's a Chinese it's the Chinese government. And uh, my primary concern is, of course, that they have access to, you know, all this information. And you have uh, this is a bipartisan issue. Uh, Tom Cotton and Chuck Schumer, so Repu Republican from Arkansas, I believe, and a Democrat from New York, signed a letter to the Director of National Intelligence requesting a security review of TikTok and its parent company. Uh, obviously, I don't really think that went anywhere, but yeah. this is a really, really big issue. TikTok was banned in Indonesia. Thank you, Indonesia. Oh, I love this, Indonesia. Thank you very much. Indonesia said... Uh, and so this is proof that TikTok is being used to weaken American society because TikTok said it was weakening their society and accused TikTok of promulgating pornography, inappropriate content, and blasphemy. Uh, and then, of course, the Chinese did some of their little international boycott magic and got that, you know, lifted. But they applied new censors to it. In, uh, uh, thank you, Bangladesh. Bangladesh also did it. Uh yeah, exactly. And this this is the kind of thing it needs to do. TikTok, I'm not going to say TikTok needs to be censored, but what I'm going to say is that it needs to be under review. This is absolutely terrifying. Uh, absolutely terrifying that we have a company owned by the Chinese government having direct access to the credit card information and all that kind of stuff for millions upon millions of Americans. It's really kind of frightening, so... What do you have to say? Oh, you're muted. That's why. That's why I couldn't hear anything what you said for the past few minutes. You, you're muted. Oh. Go Fantastic. On. Say everything you were going to say. Uh, wait, I don't really have anything to say. I don't know how long I was muted. Um, <laughs> just reiterate some of that. Um, oh, yeah, I just feel like... Uh, I feel like... Um, there's definitely some, there are insidious things lurking under TikTok's surface. And, you know, just try to be mindful of what you consume. Take a step back and saying, am I being manipulated by the Chinese government right now? And if the answer is yes, get off of TikTok. I mean, yeah, if, if you feel yourself becoming lazy, unproductive, or shiftless, now might be the time to say, you know, to delete the app forever and ever and ever. And ever. Uh, because this kind of thing is designed to kill a society from within. And, and I hate to be that guy sounding the alarm bells in the night, but here I am sounding the alarm bells and it's 921. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm going to be sounding these alarm bells for a while because it is important that we recognize that the national mental health, the national productivity, and the national motivation of a nation are incredibly important. And by trying to rob a nation's youth of productivity, 
uh, that is effectively weakening that generation and weakening the country that those people will inherit. So it's just kind of stuff you got to think about. Yeah. Uh, you know, going on in that same vein, we have, we know this, and I'm just going to mention this again. I mentioned this many times before. The Chinese government is genocidal. The Chinese government exterminates ethnic minorities, two of them. <laughs> the Uyghur people uh, in Xinjiang, and the Tibetan people in Tibet. They crushed democracy protest in Tiananmen Square and in Hong Kong. They are evil. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what, uh, you know, what Reagan said about the Soviet Union, and it's maybe even more true with China, is that it is an, an evil empire. Yes, an evil empire, because... It's not really any sort of, you know, people's republic. They like to put on that moniker. It's an authoritarian dictatorship that represses all opposition, exterminates ethnic minorities, and seeks to expand its borders. It's kind of like Nazi Germany. In fact, it is like, it is Nazi Germany. It's Nazi Germany with different branding and in a different location. And, you know, we never forget what happened in Europe in the 1940s and the 1930s. We cannot allow this kind of thing to happen again. And in all honesty, it's always tough to do something uh, when evil presents itself. But that's really what sets us apart as people from each other, is that when it gets difficult to stand up for what is right, do we do it? So are you going to stand up against the Chinese government, their relentless hacking of American data, of American information, of American security, their undermining of American national culture and American values, their absolute detestable trade practices, which have robbed, according to the Economic Policy Institute, a net amount, so that even includes jobs America gained, of 700,000 jobs, over 700,000 jobs. That was 700,000 jobs over a period of time, and I'll pull up the exact statistic from the Economic Policy Institute. Uh... uh but they have engaged in these odious – yeah, the EPI claims – oh, wow, that's even – that's a lot more. Never mind. I was totally wrong. Uh, EPI, the Economic Policy Institute, reports the U.S.-China trade deficit cost 3.4 million jobs. And that was between 2001 and, 20, and 2015. So that's not even including the last five years. We have lost 3.4. Some say 3.7 million jobs with China. And then now I'm looking at another source that says nearly 4 million. So we've lost between three and a half and 4 million jobs to China. Each job is not individual. That's a family that that person provides for. If it's three other people, you know, uh, spouse and kids, that's a lot more people you've impacted. At the high end, that's, you know, more than 12 million. That's 16 million people that have been impacted in total and families. Kids who can't go to college, kids who can't afford to go to college, people who have their careers dead-ended, people who can no longer work. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that China wants to do because they are the other world power. They are our adversary, and we are so dependent on them that we do not really have our independence anymore. And, you know, lastly, on that related topic, we have to remember that it's incumbent upon us to buy products made in America. It is, some, it is a must. It is an absolute must. And to 
patron, uh, be patrons at stores that sell more American goods. You know, go to like farmers markets and things like that. Uh, fresh food and all that good stuff. Community. Uh, and we must keep our values as a nation, our culture. Uh, and we are not, must not allow ourselves to be undermined by foreign interest groups that seek to destroy our country, which China definitely is. So on that, on that really happy note, uh, on to China's little lackey, the, uh, the hermit kingdom in the northern part of the Korean peninsula. So I know, I know you had a few things to say about Kim Yo-jong. Mm-hmm. So a little background. She is the sister of North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, who we do not know if he's alive or not. Um, some say he is, some say he isn't. I enjoyed the headline uh, from the Babylon Bee. Hold on, I'm just going to pull it up. Um, they said, North Korea reports Kim Jong-un is the most alive person in the universe. But, um, so regarding yourself, a lot of people have speculated, will, uh, Kim Yo-jong take his place in the North Korean dictatorship? Um, the nature of North Korea is that they're a very private country, but, um, what we do know about, uh, Kim Yo-jong is she's somewhere in her 30s. Um, she's made appear an appearance at the, um, 2016 Olympics. Uh, yeah, the Winter Olympics in South Korea. Yes. Uh, and what we also know is that she became really popular for giving Mike Pence a dirty look. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, thank you, media. Uh, you know, in that same kind of train of thought, I was thinking about this. Uh, so I've told my other people around around me, you know, in my house, this. I'm starting to believe, I actually think he might still be alive. Because South Korean intelligence reports that he's still alive. Yeah. They didn't say what kind of condition he is. So if he's completely incapacitated, then there is obviously going to be out to some sort of regency. And and that regency would probably be led by Kim Yo-jong. Uh, I mean... Almost without a doubt, I could say that Regency or whatever, Protective Security Council or something like, what have you, would be under the authority of Kim Yo-jong. And whether she is able to retain power once her veg- vegetated brother uh, dies or expires is, you know, actually unknown. I don't know if she will be able to retain power even through that other time. Uh, but it's just something that we should consider is that this is something that the world is going to have to deal with, is a power scramble in a nuclear power. That's not something we can take lightly. lightly. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more like reporting coming out that they like people don't think he's dead. Um, the South Korea says he's alive and well, which um, it, that's a bit odd. You know, like if he was an vegetative state, you wouldn't say he's alive and well. You would say he is alive for now. Well, maybe he's well. I mean, maybe what I said right yesterday is right that he, you know, is in is in a resort, and he said, "Don't bother me for twenty days." And now everybody's too afraid to go bother him. Well, he hasn't been seen for forty days now. I thought it, no, I thought it was only two weeks. Uh, um, I'm looking at an article. Uh, for, uh, it just it just reloaded, so I can't see what website, but it said um forty days. Forty days. Well, I thought. Yeah, well, I mean, I think CBS reported that his last appearance was uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and then there are all sorts of people 
there are other people that could, you know, kind of take the line too because there's other North Korean or powerful North Korean politicians because I think it's a possibility because the political system that North Korea is under is is rather sexist. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we have now this uh, situation because the culture of North Korea is Confucianism. Mm-hmm. And Confucianism is rather sexist. So at, I've heard. At its core, which is, is something I, I don't necessarily know if it's true. I know a little bit about Confucianism, obviously, not enough to make these kind of comments. But that's what the media outlets were saying. And, you know, God bless me, me for attempting to actually rely on the media outlets for anything. Uh, but that's kind of what I heard. And so if there was to be, and that's why I suggested that they might pretend he's alive for a while to keep some sort of regency going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the website Mashable, which you sent me earlier. It's really funny. Uh, are, what is that? How do you pronounce that word? Staining? Staining. Are, uh, I'm not even going to say that word. Are, are staining Kim Jong-un's sister. Uh, can you explain what that is about? First of all, I'm going to read the headline in the correct way. We regret to inform you that people are staining Kim Jong-un's sister. Um, basically, people are becoming uh, Kim Yo-jong fans. Uh... Why? Um, mostly because she's an attractive young woman. I blame this entirely on CNN. Actually, no. I blame this entirely on Ted Turner, the owner of CNN, who I personally find a detestable human being. Hear that, Ted Turner? If you're watching this. There's a good reason. He was he was the one who said, like, veteran suicides were a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was him. Hmm. Uh, do, I, do I have the video? I'm sure I have the video somewhere. But, I mean, I'm sure most of it is a joke, but that's that's questionable. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's, I, I, that's horrible. I don't... Yes, apparently now people are obsessed with Kim Jong-un's sister. And I blame it entirely on Ted Turner uh, for making those kind of reports. And so now I'm going to actually... To make you just dislike Ted Turner a little bit more, I'm just gonna play. I'm just gonna play this video. Uh, I won't be able to hear it. I will send you the link to the video then, as soon as uh, it's 25 seconds. I hope this is the right video. So I'm actually just gonna. Dying. There we go. So I'm actually gonna send this to you. This was on a clip. Uh, it was he is the owner of CNN. Uh, he did this in 2012. And this was on the Piers Morgan show. Piers Morgan used to have a show on CNN. So I will send the link now to my co-host. Uh, uh, kind of unrelated, but Piers Morgan's kind of the worst. Different note, but I will play this video now. Dying now. Suicide. Of some suicide over there that are dying in combat. I mean, that's shocking, isn't it? Well, what? It, it, what it, no, I think, it's th- I think it's good because... Uh, it's so clear that, that we're programmed and, 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 and we're born to love and help each other, not to kill each other, destroy each other. That's an aberration. That's uh, left. So, yes, Ted Turner said he would rather have veterans killing each other or killing themselves than fighting in wars. Did you see the video now? Um, 
I didn't get a chance to look at it, but I will eventually. Uh, but yes, uh, the poster of this video says that. Uh... Oh, interesting. I didn't know this, but he. Ted Turner, and this is by a man named Hayes Thomas, uh, said Ted Turner, the founder of CNN and a sick old uh, something or other. He should be arrested on the espionage act and uh, tried for treason. Uh, and then he, uh, Mr. Hay, or Mr. Thomas goes on to say that, keep in mind, this nut job was allowed to buy every cattle ranch in the country and is now the lar- largest landowner in the U.S. because he thinks cattle flatulence causes global warming. So you're... Uh, I don't think that's, that's necessarily true. Uh, but I guess in this case, and I, I don't have a huge opinion one way or another, in this exchange, Piers Morgan was not the worst person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ted Turner. He can't always be the worst. Ted Turner, you know, not a fan of his. Uh, but he is, you know, the owner of CNN, and I'm sure, well, I mean, the owners of Fox are British, so. (laughs) But that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Uh, you know, just going back onto the North Korean tangent, because I just wanted to mention that because I do, I do still blame Ted Turner for making Kim Jong-un's sister popular. Uh, yes. So we have all these, I'm looking at all these, you know, things they say, K-pop groups, DPRK, lead singer. Yeah, this is, that's a meme. That's, that's great. And simultaneously terrible. Uh, yes, but people are now in love with her. Uh, I don't really know what to say about that. Uh, I'm not, I, I can only say I'm negative surprised. Here is what I'll say. Don't. Yeah, don't. Uh. Think, should I be a fan of someone who aids a North Korean dictator? No. No. (laughs) The answer is no. Please don't do that. Uh. We should have an episode just called Don't. And then we list several not do and i hate to employ the, i employ I, I, I hate to employ the use of internet slang uh but do not be a simp for kim yo jong <laughs> now is not the time to simp for north korea <laughs> oh man you sound so awkward when you say internet slang i do but you know do not be do not be a simp for north korea i'm gonna say it one more time you do sound not simp for North Korea. That is treason. Don't do it. See, you sound like uh, my dad when he <laughs> asked my sister if he's flexing. See, I don't really know what to say about that. Uh, you know I'm right. You know. Yeah, I do have to say that. But I do also say that the the quick wit that I have employed in making terrible jokes has not always been to my benefit. It reminds me of a time when my dad said he was going out to buy pears and he said, would you like a pear? And I said, no, thanks. I'll just have one. Uh, regrettable. <laughs> yes. Don't do that. That's treason. Just don't. The puns uh, are treason. Yeah. Don't commit treason. Not great. Weirdly enough, three of our stories have been in Asia today, or two of our sto- two of the three of our stories are centered around Asia. Hmm. Uh, now we're going to World War Two. We are, but I'm gonna just burn a little bit of time in between then and there because we still have a little bit more time, and so I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna bring uh, all of you through something that 
I think it's important. Uh, every year at my school, there is a something called a Senior May project. And so this is actually going to be my project because I'm already doing it. So you might see a lot more professionalism coming up here in the next few weeks. But don't worry, I promise it won't be permanent. Uh, <laughs> it's only lasting for May, and yeah. then you'll like it. Yeah, and then, you know, we'll... You know, we'll probably get some more things. I might, we might actually get a little set where I'll be, you know, sitting at a news desk and looking all professional. Uh, we'll probably be employing our other social media accounts more often. We'll be attempting to target a demographic, so you maybe we actually might spend money on ads Ooh, for the Daily Diatribe. And uh, obviously, we're going to get our Spotify up and running. We are going to get, you know, maybe hopefully some other streaming services up and running. And the Daily Diatribe will hopefully, you know, blow up and become a big sort of thing, uh, hopefully. And you can say you were in on the ground floor. Uh, you will be our original fans. Yes, and of. Original fan and of. That's not good. I promise I will make a better sounding acronym. Uh, but, you know, that's just kind of important. So, you know, send it to your friends and all that. I implore you to send it to your friends. And I know some people from my school actually listen to this. Uh, so in advance, I apologize. Uh, maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, but I think, you know, I actually checked. We have a few subscribers from my school, and I think that's awesome. They should share it with other people at my school. Maybe I'll advertise it during a Zoom class. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll change that. I'll make my banner, the Daily Diatribe thing, uh, for <laughs> Zoom class. And everyone will be like, what are you doing? And you'll be like... Well, I am the host of the famous podcast, The Daily Diatribe. Cool subscribers. Uh, See, I am not from your school, so not familiar with the May Project. All I can say is good luck, and I hope I don't sabotage your grade. Uh, No, it's not a grade. Oh, good. We just do it. I I think everyone by May. I think the rule is that the teachers are just done teaching by May, and so we just get a month. It doesn't actually start until May 14th, though. It's a little later this year, so, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I have to write an essay by Tuesday, but in the meantime, I will actually read a little bit of an essay that I'm writing because I think it's a good essay. Who knows if it's actually a good essay? Uh, so I'll actually start about this. It's called Why is the Council of Nicaea Still Important? Now, Nicaea occurred in 325, and so I include this. This is, you know, the start. This paper explores the Council of Nicaea's conclusions and their lasting effects, asserting that the arguments and debates of the Council had a profound impact on the Christian faith and on its believers. Arianism, even after its anathemization at Nicaea, continued to be popular, converting many of the pagan tribes and centering its in oh sorry, and in cementing its indelible impression on the Christian world. This paper will offer a snapshot of more modern theological views pertaining to the Council of Nicaea, in order to educate Christians about the Council of Nicaea and its relevance and importance to the faith journey today. I'm sure everyone has a few questions. So I'm just going to assume you have questions. Um, I actually don't have questions since you've talked to me about the Council of Nicaea a lot. This is true. Uh, now, my teacher, who actually has a doctorate in this, said that these last two sentences are solid academic writing. Now, he didn't in- actually say which last two sentences, so I'm going to read all four sentences. Ooh. And you can determine which one is solid academic writing. Uh Sadly, he only said that about two sentences. Maybe that's a really bad sign. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, well, two of your sentences are solid academic writing. Yeah, uh, the Gnostics themselves are not critical in order to un- understand the Council of Nicaea. However, 
The writings that came from refuting the Gnostics are key to building a bigger picture, or sorry, a bigger and more transparent Nicene picture. Irenaeus of Lyons argues in Against the Heresies that his exegetical thought introducing the idea of recapitulation into the conversation. My research so far leads me to believe that Arrhenius means recapitulation in the biblical format. Uh, one second, next page. Uh, <clears throat> God's purpose is in the fullness of the times, to sum up all things in Christ, the things in the heavens and the things upon the earth. Ephesians 1.10 It must be noted that the modern Greek, uh, it, I'm not going to read the Greek, uh, translates to recapitulationem, which is recapitulation. So, isn't that nice? I thought you weren't supposed to use like uh, my in um. No, this is the this is the abstract or not the abstract. This is the literary review. I can use my in the literary review. I can't use my in the paper itself. See, you know, I'm just I'm just checking. Yes, uh, and somebody my one of the people advising me said that uh, my tone was a little bit draconian. <laughs> uh because I said, however, what is important is we make sure believers today begin the process of education regarding the nature of the relationship between the Father and the Son, not with the Son as one of the created beings, but as a unified, co-eternal member of the Godhead. Because it makes it sound like I'm starting educational institutions to make people learn about the Council of Nicaea. Uh, my friend just sent me a meme that I'm going to send you right, right now over Instagram. since It's it's about North Korea and it's really funny. It's about North Korea. Okay, so we'll we'll talk about that. Stand by. As we are getting a meme transmitted from incoming broadcast, we're getting a meme. Yes, incoming broadcast, a meme. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't understand how memes work. Actually, I, actually, that's a lie. I really do understand how memes work. What's a meme? <laughs> I, I would say I arguably understand how memes work too well. Did you see the meme? Uh, I have not seen the meme. Maybe you it's actually. Oh, you sent it over Instagram. I was texting. Yeah. I was checking my textbook. Your uh, textbook. North Korean di doctors trying to fix Kim Jong Un so they don't get executed. Uh, if you're familiar with SpongeBob, which I know many of you are, uh, it is referring to that SpongeBob episode where Squidward builds a wax statue of himself and they move it into the sunlight. Patrick and SpongeBob because they throw a football through his window and it breaks the glass and they go in, uh, and it knocked <laughs> over the glass. And it knocked over the wax statue of Squidward, and they put it in the sunlight so it melted, so they tried to put him back together again. So it says, North Korean doctors trying to fix Kim Jong-un so they don't get executed. <laughs> it's a, like, I can almost imagine it as a little, as a little gif where they're, you know, trying to put him back together again, like, you know, hump, <laughs> like Humpty Dumpty. Uh, actually, we should make a Humpty Dumpty rhyme about Kim Jong-un. Uh not now. We're very bad at, like, improvisation. Oh, we're like, terrible at improvisation, but I'm going to try. Especially poetry. I hate poetry. I, I, I am fine with poetry. Uh, nope, we, I'm already done with this. Uh, like, mm, no. Kim Jong-un. I don't know. Had a fall? I don't know. That, that's all I have. Hmm. <laughs> Nope, we're already done. Yeah, no, let's move on. That was a fit. But we know whatever it is, all of his horses and all of his men couldn't put poor Kim back together again. Uh, that's all we know. Or maybe they could, who knows at this point. But, you know, on to the last segment for the evening, which is, of course, the, you know, the little, 
not little, but the very large cataclysmic events that occurred 75 years ago today, which is the end or getting to the end of the Second World War. Now, I always think this is important. You know, I always think it's important, number one, because I think it's important. And number two, it's kind of prescient to the times we live in. And so I would mention right now that 75 years ago today was April of 1945, a day, a month that really sucked for everybody who lived in Germany. So we have right now the 26th of April, 1945. There's a battle in the Philippines. Uh, battle of Coleccio began in a town called Foron. For Novo, Italy. Uh, this is basically the closing stages of the war. We have some scant German units that don't even have, they don't even know how many men were in them. Uh, approximately 15,000 men, they think, in total, because that's how many surrendered. Doesn't say how many were on the American side, but we have about 15,000 surrendered. So we have the, seven, the 90th Panzer Division, Panzer Division, 148th Reserve Division, uh, Bergalaresi Division. So that's. Uh, uh, Italian divisions uh, and the Alpine division. And so those all surrendered. Uh, we have to also have to remember during this time, Italy was completely overrun. Uh, fortunately for Italy, they were liberated by the Allies. Uh, Southern Italy didn't actually see a lot of fighting except uh, Sicily because it joined with uh, the Allies when it became clear what was going to happen. Uh, also today we have the beginning, you know, more of the beginning of the end. Philippe Patan the former dictator, or rather chief of French state, quote-unquote, of Vichy France, which was the collaborationist pro-Nazi regime in southern France. He was arrested on the Swiss border, uh, trying to escape, obviously, uh, and he was actually pardoned uh, later by the French president, uh, I think, de Gaulle. Yeah, he was pardoned by de Gaulle later. And the reason he was pardoned by de Gaulle is that he was actually a World War I hero. He was actually the hero of the Battle of Verdun uh, in France. He was the hero of the Battle of Verdun. And so, you know, there was, there was a whole debate about whether they should do that. And apparently he was a, a seven-star general. Uh, we don't have marshals in America, but they do over there. We just have higher generals, but six stars. A little interesting fact. Uh... Well, seven stars. But and then lastly, uh, Edward Stettin. Or lastly, before we get back to you know Berlin, uh, Edward Stettinus Jr. said that the said that the world body should work to out only a charter. Soviet minister Vyacheslav Molotov said that the lessons of the failed League of Nations must be remembered. Uh, and Sigmund Raschler, a German SS uh, doctor, was executed by the Nazis at Dachau concentration camp which still not been liberated in southern Germany. And now we have, you know, the main sort of thing that was going on is the battle in Berlin. And so the battle in Berlin was important for many reasons. And, you know, it's the capital of Nazi Germany. Uh, well, it was the capital of Nazi Germany. Uh, and, you know, the whole thing really kind of sucks near the end, you know, for lack of a better word. Uh, and so... On the 26th of April, uh, with Nukolin heavily penetrated by the Soviet combat groups, 
uh, Krokenberg prepared for fallback positions for Sector C defenders around Hermannplatz. He moved his headquarters into the Opera House. That was the Opera House that had previously played the Gotterdammerung, which was the downfall by Wagner, titled Twilight of the Gods, about Ragnarok. So just kind of a fitting sort of end. Two understrength German divisions, which means they did not have enough men, uh, defending the southeast were now facing five Soviet armies. So they have two understrength divisions to face five basically fully equipped armies. Oh, uh, boy! Yeah, from east to west, they were the 5th Shock Army advancing um, from Chirpnow Park, the 8th Guards Army, the and the 1st Tank Army uh, moving through Nolken, temporarily checked at the Tempelhof Airport. Uh, we talked about that a few days ago. The Tempelhof Airport got put out of action by heavy gunfire. Uh, Colonel General, that was the rank they have, uh, Pavel Roblako's 3rd Guard Army, part of Konyev's 1st Ukrainian Front, advanced to Maridorf as the Nordland Division, and the Nordland Division was the Norwegian Division, uh, raised by Vitkun Quisling and Josef Terboven. I'm pretty sure it was Josef Terboven. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, they fell back towards the Hermannplatz. The French, and this is actually interesting, the French SS Division, because there were, still, there were actually French people fighting for Germany in Berlin. The French SS Division and 100 Hitler Youth attached, attached to their group destroyed 14 Soviet tanks with Panzerfausts and one machine gun positioned by the Holonese Bridge and managed, and this is impressive, to hold up any Soviet advances for 48 hours. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. I mean, 100 kids, 100 uh, 12 to 16 or 12 to 18 year old kids uh, and a bunch of Frenchmen with single shot weapons and probably weapons from the First World War managed to hold off a few Soviet armies for 48 hours. The Nordland's remaining armor, which is eight Tiger tanks and several assault guns, were ordered to take up a position in the Tiergarten. Uh, the Tiergarten is uh, in the borough of Mitte, central Berlin. So central Berlin. We're already in central Berlin, which is, you know, really close. Uh, because the two divisions of Weitling's, uh, I think that's 56. No. I have to look up Roman numerals. Uh, and I feel embarrassed about that because I should know that. Yeah, I was actually right. It was 56. Now I feel dumb for looking it up. Uh, Weidling's 56 Panzer Corps could slow the Soviet advance, but they could not stop it. Uh, and SS Oberschlafferfuhrer uh, Obersch Schmidt recalled that, uh, so he mentioned this in his journals, I was assigned as a platoon leader of what they called a dwindled company, uh, which means, you know, like none, uh, which included a squad of Hungarian soldiers, Volkssturm men, we already remembered the Volkssturm, the old men who were drafted in the army, the Hitler Jugend, so we have the children who were drafted in the army, as well as actual members of the army, which he includes third, which kind of implies that they were the least, oh, we got a subscriber. I'm going to mention that during that because I feel like whoever subscribes deserves to be mentioned, even in the middle okay. of a serious topic. Uh, BUT51YT has subscribed to my channel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess my retelling of the Battle of Berlin was just really, really telling. Uh, oh, in, in the chat, um, Lord Yeetus says, howdy. Oh, howdy Lord tell, your, uh, tell Lord Yeetus. I actually know him. Uh, tell him howdy as well. Uh, howdy. I will tell you howdy, Lord Yeetus, because you deserve some attention. Uh, <laughs> I said howdit, though, because I don't spell right. Uh, Wait, where was I? Hold on. What? It's showing we have we now have seventy seven subscribers. Yeah, maybe that's that's probably a glitch. We'll mention this later. I'm gonna keep reading about the Battle of Berlin. Okay, yeah. Uh where was I? 
Oh, yes, over, uh, uh, you know, and the Hare Army. Uh, daily, the Russians advanced closer to the government quarter, which were, were to defend it. It became more and more difficult to hold the line under all circumstances. So, oh, we got more subscribers. So, Josie, yeah. JT, you know, I'll read these all out later. Hitler summoned uh, Field Marshal Rutger von Grime from Munich. So, I mentioned him a few days ago, but we get the full story now. To Berlin to take over command of the German Luftwaffe from Hermann Göring. While flying over Berlin in a, uh, a Fischer Stork, which is a... Small German liaison aircraft built before and during World War II. Uh, excellent stole performance. Uh, von Grime was seriously wounded by Soviet anti-aircraft fire. Hannah Reich, his mistress, he was married, this is scandalous, uh, and crack test pilot landed von Grime on an improvised airstrip in the Tiergarten near the Brandenburg Gate. Now, this is important because, remember, this is where the combat was going on. Remember, I mentioned earlier that the Nordland Division had taken up position in the Tiergarten. So they landed in the middle of the combat zone near the Brandenburg Gate, which shows you these guys were right on the edge. They were right near the Brandenburg Gate and the Tempelhof Airport. The flak batteries conducted direct fire against the advancing Soviets until they were overrun, which means these flak guns, which were basically massive machine guns, uh, these massive machine guns, basically they just pointed them from up to sideways and they just went firing. Uh, and this is actually really... Uh, yeah, uh, Tempelhof Airport, the batteries were faced against Soviet tanks until they were overrun. On the following day, the 27th April, 2,000 German women were rounded up by the Soviets and forced to clear the Tempelhof Airport debris. I don't want to say anything crude, but this is something tragic, so I'm going to mention this. Uh, you have, in this situation, I would be, I would not doubt at all that these women were raped by the Red Army. That, that's something oh, yeah. we have to mention is that the Red Army was a very, very pernicious and murderous and bloodthirsty cohort. They were fighting for good, but that does not mean that they were good. Uh, they helped defeat the Nazis. Plus, they raped hundreds of thousands of women and murdered civilians. Bad. Uh, and so we're going to go, actually, some a little bit more. This is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, we got a few more minutes. So I'll mention this, too. As the Soviet armies of the first Belarusian front and the first Ukrainian front converged on the center of the city, they met a bunch of friendly fire incidents involving artillery and shelling because the spotter planes and artillery could not coordinate and mistook assault guns in other armies as enemy troops. Now, this is interesting because... It may have been completely on purpose. And do you know why it may have been completely on purpose? No, why is that? Stalin loved to play his generals against each other. They why? He loved to play them against each other. Like, they would go into competition with each other to see, you know, who could get to the this position first. And so they believe some of the quote-unquote friendly fire incidents were entirely on purpose. Because it was already clear they were going to win. They were in the enemy's capital. Uh, and so uh, a corps commander of the first uh, Ukrainian front joked with uh, a little bit of laconic humor. Uh, There's nothing more depressing in Berlin than learning about the success of your neighbor. You see? And so the, these, yeah, these armies would actually try to outflank each other, including they try to get around each other. Uh, and I always thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, 
And so we kind of have that weird situation in Germany. Very strange, in my opinion. Uh, and we'll read more about – there's the t things to read about in the 27th. There's a lot, actually, to read about in the 28th, so I'll remember that. Uh, and there's actually quite a lot to read about the Battle of the Reichstag itself. And then there's a little bit of story about a breakout. Uh, so actually, I'm going to talk, end talking about it right here. Uh, thank you very much. And also, Weitling was appointed today. That's important. Weitling was summoned to the bunker. And his first advice that he actually gave to Hitler was, we should get out of here. Uh, he had actually worked, you know, day and night on a plan with some other generals that would break out, basically try to break out towards the Allies, you know, to avoid the, you know, inevitable death in Soviet, you know, in Soviet concentration camps. So that's pretty much all I got to say tonight. Any uplifting note to end us up on? Um, this isn't like necessarily uplifting, but I am going to talk about my cat Pip. He acts like a needy child. <laughs> Every day while we're podcasting, he will like come near me until like I let him on my lap. <coughs> Excuse me. And like he's here right now. He's just sitting on my lap and he does this the entire time. I don't know if the audience can hear him. Maybe he's out. soothed by the sound of my voice. <laughs> Uh, <coughs> sorry, I'm sorry. You allergic to your own cat? No! <laughs> How dare you insinuate such a thing? I will insinuate such a thing. So I will play some music tonight. And I was listening to our Spotify because I wanted to make sure everything works because, you know, I pay attention to these type of things. Uh, so I will actually now play the song that we opened up the f one of the first shows with, which is my one of my favorite Porter Wagner songs called Big Wind. It's really depressing if you listen to the lyrics. But it's a really kind of, you know, happy, uplifting song. So thank you. Good night. God bless you. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Good night. From daylight till dusk, we've been working in the dust. Picking cotton, working side by side. Well, I can't forget. Yes, I remember yet The way my daddy looked at me and cried Big winds are coming Listen to the humming Hurry up, son, be quick Don't stall You know we can't be slow Take the kids and get below If we don't hurry, sure it get us all Well, I ran across the field So scared my lips were sealed to warn my mom the storm was on its way Well, I knew I'd won my race When I saw my mammy's face And the way she looked at me and said Big winds are coming Listen to the humming Hurry up, son, be quick Don't stall You know we can't be slow Take the kids and get below If we don't hurry, the sure get us all Oh, but Dad was in the cellar, and by now the sky was yellow. The wind was a-blowing, trees were falling. And outside I heard him crying, and as he lay there dying, it seemed I could still hear him calling the sun. Big winds are coming, listen to the humming. Hurry up, son, be quick, don't stall. You know we can't be slow. Take the keys and get below. If it don't hurt.